You're listening to audio from Calvary Gravenhurst in Muskoka, Ontario. For more resources or to connect with someone in the church, please visit calvarygravenhurst.com. Well, I'm really happy to be here. You know, I feel like with the worship that we've had, thank you, Elisa, and, and the worship team, and with the testimonies, we could go home. This would be, this would be a full service. But uh, since I traveled from all the way from Kitchener, I think I, I need to say something. I actually live in Baden, but that's a, a little burg that nobody ever knows about. Anyway, um, on behalf of the Evangelical Fellowship of Canada, I'm happy to be here, and I bring you greetings from your brothers and sisters across Canada. We are um, endeavoring to unite evangelicals to bless Canada in the name of Jesus, and uh, there's a table at the back, and there's a lot of literature on it. If you would, um, if you want to avail yourself of some of it, it's free. Um, I do take tips, but it's free, and uh, and I will be back there uh, to answer any questions you have. Well, I was thinking about um, holidays. No, uh, we just had Labor Day, and I was thinking, oh, Christmas is coming, and uh, it's 105 days now. So I have 103 days until I start shopping seriously. Now, I know that that's not the way my wife works, but that's unfortunately the way I work. And then it's 72 days to, um, oh, good grief, this thing is, okay. It's 72 days to Thanksgiving. 29 days till Thanksgiving. What am I thinking? Confused here this morning. Um, And it's appropriate to talk about being thankful, having an attitude. And I was thinking about my extended family getting together on Thanksgiving. And I thought, oh, well, we probably need to work on this one. So it was 72 days until we, since we celebrated Canada Day, and I thought that um, it would be kind of good if we were to talk a little bit about Canada. And uh, just get sorted out here. There we go. The um, where you come from. A lot of times, people say to you when you meet them, "Where did you come from?" And uh, where you come from has, uh, is one of the most significant things that about, it forms our worldview and it forms our opportunities and it's a major part of your identity. But also our concerns and cares are another thing that impact who we are. And so there was a Cross Canada poll that asked what Canadians are uh, concerned about and you might, have, you might guess what they were, you know, the... Um, economy and healthcare and environment and others. Well, there's, that's no surprise, but while there are real concerns, it is great to be a Canadian. Out of 195 countries in the world, we rank consistently in the top 10 as the best place to live. And there are lots of things you could say about the positiveness of Canada. We are, by and large, a fairly peaceful country. Um, We have amazing landscapes and what else do we have? Well, I have Tim Hortons and we have coffee or Jays or Raptors or whatever you are there. We could go on. And although 
I was born in Canada. My dad, who was a pastor, uh, moved our family to the States when I was three months old and planted a church in a little mining town. We, We were there for seven years, and then we moved back. And then in 2002, I returned to the U.S. and worked for 10 years before coming back to Canada. When you're a missionary to a foreign country like the U.S., um, you learn to speak the language. So I know the difference between holiday and vacation, trash and garbage, pop and soda, hydro and electric. And if you are where I was living, Lancaster and Lancaster. And if you know the difference, I know how it feels to be in the process of a green card and receive a letter that officially labeled me as an alien on parole. So our son Chris and his family lives in the States and he has, he has dual citizenship. And I thought that it would be good today to talk about living with dual citizenship. Um, if you were born in Canada and, or immigrated and chose to be a Canadian, you receive a Canadian passport. And each Canadian citizen is guaranteed certain responsibilities, rights, and freedoms that many others do not have. We gather together today, and we worship together today because we have the freedom of assembly and the freedom to worship as we choose. And we have responsibilities to make sure we obey those laws and allow others to benefit from the same privileges and and freedoms that we have. And although founded on Christian principles, Canada is now a secular country where diversity and inclusion is at every level. So yet when we sing our national anthem, God keep our land glorious and free, we seem to recognize a higher power. So I thought it'd be interesting today to see what the Bible says about being a citizen of Canada. In uh, 1 Peter, we read, make the master proud of you by being good citizens, respect authorities, exercise your freedom by serving God, not by breaking the rules, respect the government. Romans 13, 7 talks about paying your taxes, give respect and honor to those who are in authority. And 13, 1 talks about um, those in authority, those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. Now, depending on your political view, you may say, well, maybe God was on a coffee break. But uh, it doesn't say anything about that. It says God places um, rulers in, in positions of authority. First Timothy talks about the idea, the first thing I want you to do is to pray. Pray especially for rulers and their governments. Uh, this is the way our Savior, God, wants us to live. And I, I'm challenged by that because I think, do I pray regularly for the prime minister, for the premier, for the mayor or the reeve or whoever, um, whoever's in authority over me? Well, most of us have heard the familiar one, render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. The scripture is quite clear that our response of our responsibilities to be good citizens of Canada. But you know, as in many situations, when I read scripture, sometimes I, I think I hear different things and I have to really dig into it to make sure I understand what the Bible is telling me. Well, think for a minute about what it means to be a Christian, a follower of Jesus Christ. When I choose to accept Jesus as my Savior and Lord, I'm transformed and I become a new creation, a part of God's family and a citizen of Canada. In Philippians, Paul said, but our citizenship is in heaven. And Jesus tells us we must be born again. 
to be a member of the kingdom of heaven. And Romans talks about the idea that the kingdom of heaven is much more than just the physical. So just as we have responsibilities to be citizens, uh, as responsibilities as citizens of Canada, we have responsibilities as citizens of heaven. We have a responsibility to worship and obey God. We have a responsibility to be true to God's word. We have a responsibility to gather together as a body of Christ. We have a responsibility to be a disciple and to make disciples, to share the good news. We have the responsibility to imitate Jesus as he cared for the needy and the vulnerable and to protect those who can't protect themselves. I mentioned earlier that as I lived in the States, I enjoyed the benefits of living there. Well, I didn't enjoy paying taxes, but double taxes, but that's a whole other story. But my real loyalty was to Canada. Scripture gives us a picture of a traveler, Abraham, a stranger in a foreign country, and Hebrew tells us this world is not our home. We have looking forward to an everlasting home in heaven. Scripture also tells us that we are to be ambassadors for Christ in Canada, as though God were making his appeal through us. Well, that's a pretty weighty statement. As though God were speaking through us. Now, what kind of responsibility is that? Well, let's, um, let's take the next couple of minutes and explore the whole idea of the differences between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of earth. It's not just a simple contrast. It's, a, it's fundamentally different. It's a way of doing life. It's a worldview. It's part of our loyalties. We see the difference in how the two kingdoms look at power, the cross versus the sword, leading by servant leadership as modeled by Jesus rather than leading by imposing power. We see the difference in how the two kingdoms look at objectives. God's will is paramount rather than our will. He seeks inward transformation, not outward conformity. We see the difference in how the two kingdoms think about inclusion. The kingdom of heaven includes everyone. It's centered on people living for the sole purpose of replicating the love of Jesus Christ to all people at all times, in all places, without condition, rather than defending our own tribe or our own agenda, which often leads to conflict. We see the difference in the two kingdoms as they look at priority and response. Love is the top priority in God's kingdom rather than winning. Love your enemies rather than get even. An eye for an eye is not Jesus' way. Christians recognize that there's more to existence than just the visible world that we can sense. There's an invisible world where there's conflict between good and evil. It takes place also. So as a believer, you have dual citizenship. You're a a citizen of Canada and you're a citizen of heaven. Now, being a dual citizen is no problem until the two kingdoms ask you to do two different things. It creates a conflict of of loyalties in our heart and a cognitive dissonance in our heads, I guess. So let's look at some biblical examples. Moses' parents, um, of course, uh, were in a situation where the children of Israel, the slaves in Egypt, uh, it was decreed by Pharaoh that all the boy babies would be killed. Uh, Moses' parents were faced with a sanctity of life issue. Uh, The Daniel and the Hebrew children, the three Hebrew children, were ordered to worship the king and not God. That was a freedom of religion issue. And Peter and the apostles were told, be quiet. Don't share your faith publicly. That was a freedom of expression and religion issue. You know, all of these issues, sanctity of life, freedom of expression and religion, are as important today in Canada as they were back in biblical times. 
So Peter and the disciples were hauled up before the Sanhedrin. The priest gave them the word. And what did Peter say? Peter said, you know what? We must obey God rather than human authority. So citizens adopt the culture and behaviors of their nation. As citizens of heaven, we have the responsibility to demonstrate God's kingdom here on earth. Matthew 6.33 said, seek first the kingdom of God. Lord's prayer says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. And while we don't face death, like a lot of Christians in a lot of countries do today, we do have clashes of loyalty. And so let me give a very obvious example of culture in Canada where there's an obvious clash for us to, as dual citizens. We are told that if you're a Canadian and pro-life, you're not in line with where we are as a government, and quite frankly, where we are as a society. Now, that is a kingdom of earth view. But as citizens of heaven, we read in Psalms 139, life is a gift from God for us to respect and protect through all its stages, from conception until natural death. Some decisions that we have to make as citizens of heaven are not as easy and not as clear as the abortion issue. And, and so that little, that section in the middle, sometimes it's hard to separate whether we're operating as a kingdom of heaven or a kingdom of earth citizen. So let me just give you a couple of, a couple of thoughts that have helped me. What I see and read and listen to affects my decisions. You've heard the phrase garbage in, garbage out. And uh, our tendency, our human tendency, is to listen only to those opinions that agree with us. The fancy name for that is cognitive bias. When I do my research, I should try and understand the key issues and listen to all perspectives on the issue as I'm making my decision. Here's some questions that I found helpful. Does this concern that I have stop me from performing my duty as a citizen of of, uh, heaven? Um, Does it jeopardize my witness about Jesus and the gospel? Now, if I'm thinking as a Canadian citizen, I think, uh, does this concern infringe upon my rights and freedoms? Um, Am I willing to respond in a way that is appropriate within my rights and freedoms as a Canadian. Sometimes we get a little confused between is my concern more toward leading an individual to Christ or making Canada more Christian? That's a good question to ask. And if we lived in some other countries, we would have to ask this question. Would I be willing to die for this issue? Or would I be willing to kill for this issue? As believers, and first and foremost, I think it's important that we pray for God's guidance and we seek godly counselors to help us think through this. Now, the tricky part is when we confuse these two citizenships, that that part in the middle, our our Canadian nationalism and our living out our faith as a citizen of heaven. You know all about the events that took place on January 6th south of the border. If both sides believed they were on the righteous side and prayed for God's blessing and protection, whose side was Jesus on? It's very confusing to a watching world. My point is not to take sides, but to caution, and unless we're very careful and think through things carefully, 
Satan can use our good intentions to cast negative reflections on our witness. It might not be so overt in Canada right now, but from my observation, there are trends that we need to monitor in this. In Canada, we have the privilege of participating in the governing process. Uh, We can do this by voting and by political or legal um, activity. We can protest, uh, and we can do it through partnership with fellow Christians. You know, I looked at your website and I looked at your um, your mission statement, which is a, a really good one. And I was thinking about how do you help? How can how do you help fulfill? That's as a church and also as individuals, fulfill the part of the mission to make disciples. Well, you can witness to uh, individuals around you and help them. Or we can join together collectively to make a greater impact upon Canada and around the world. You may not be able to be a missionary. You may not get an interview with the prime minister. But we can support organizations who have the reach to fulfill this mission of making disciples. So let me illustrate with uh, Evangelical Fellowship of Canada's work. The Evangelical Fellowship of Canada is an association or fellowship of evangelicals across Canada that works to be a Christian witness and to bless Canada. Now, there are 100 different uh, types of these organizations in countries around the world. EFC was formed about 50 years ago, so it's about 50 years old. EFC includes denominations, it includes missions and missionary groups, it includes Christian post-secondary institutions, individual churches like yourselves, and, uh, and individuals by themselves. All are a part of this coalition of Christ followers called EFC. Now, sometimes people look at EFC as kind of a smoke detector, signaling concerns for evangelicals in Canada. Other times, They picture EFC as an ambassador to our government, acting as a voice on behalf of Christian Canadian evangelicals. Well, EFC is endeavoring to make a difference in Canada for the kingdom of heaven by faithfully proclaiming biblical values in the public square. We are communicating these values, trying to be true to God's word, but also respecting the rights of others who hold differing views for ours. From us. We try and love and respect those who are in opposition to us. And this position of love and grace has allowed us to gain an opportunity to speak in circles that normally we wouldn't be able to, um, to speak to or, and to influence our politicians. EFC was founded on the idea that Christians in Canada need to have a strong voice um, to government and to the courts and others. As you know, most politicians are influenced by two things, nickels and noses. How much does it cost and how many votes will it get? And so our goal is to have a strong voice with many people to influence our legislators. You know, uh, when you think about it, If you go to um, an MP or to a government official and you say, we believe this, they say, well, who are we? And uh, so somebody in Timmins, who's an MP for Timmins, will say, yeah, but I'm from Timmins. Do do you have anybody that speaks uh, about it there? And we say, yeah, actually, there's a church in Gravenhurst. Oh, yeah, actually, there's a church. It's called Calvary Gravenhurst. 
and in BC and in Nova Scotia. And so what we try and do is make it personal because nickels and noses count, noses count. EFC's decided to uh, work on five themes or areas and you'll see them on the screen and obviously um, sanctity of life, religious freedom, um, care of the vulnerable are all important parts. EFC works in three basic ways. We do research supporting churches and individuals. We, we do advocacy on behalf of individuals and, and groups. And we pursue legal and legislative ways of being able to have our Christian voice be heard as laws are made. Some of the work is easy, but some of it's like kind of like an iceberg. A lot of stuff happens below the surface. Uh, friendships are made, connections are made to be able to speak to different things. So in terms of advocacy, we have a whole range you see on the screen of things that we have advocated about and for. We, we try to change what is to what should be um, as they relate to both Christian values and Canadian citizens. That's what it is to be called salt and light in the world. Our research and publications help both churches and individuals and Christians to understand the culture we are in and to have an answer for the hope that we have. Now, unlike countries in the, some countries in the world, we use the democratic process to have our voice heard. We use the Constitution, the Charter of Bills and Rights, the legislation uh, in the courts. We use a lot of judicial precedent. That's um, previous court rulings to provide guidance in how we are to live together in Canada. History shows that when religious freedom is curtailed, other freedoms are soon compromised and lost. Therefore, EFC promotes religious freedom and the freedom of all uh, religious communities to exist and flourish. Because what we find is there may be all kinds of religious uh, groups that we disagree with, but what we find is if a freedom is taken away from one and lumped under religious groups, then pretty soon this congregation could be um, impacted. That's just the way it works. EFC is, um, has been involved in a lot of uh, important legal cases in, on religious freedom and, and, uh, and has influenced uh, Supreme Court about 34 times and have been involved in more than 30 times in provincial court and tribunals, human tribunals. EFC does not act as a plaintiff. Instead, EFC acts on behalf of the evangelical community as an intervener. Now, that's commonly known as a friend of the court. An intervener says to the court, we're not arguing for either side, but we think we have information that may be helpful in deciding this case. One of the difficult issues in an open society is protecting both the rights of the individual and the common good or the well-being of the community. In comparison to many parts of the world, we have an unbelievable freedom. If the country's not free, um, think North Korea. It doesn't matter what you as an individual think. It only matters what the rulers think. And if you disagree, you may be faced with violence or oppression. But in Canada, we try and balance the difference between the tension between individual freedom and the good for the community. Now, it's a, it's a tough one that goes on because um, people don't want their privacy invaded. But I was thinking, I was thinking, so if I wanted to hire a financial advisor, it would be helpful for me to have some private information. Like, did that person ever go bankrupt? You know, that's the, that I, it would be helpful. So it's always a tension. But 
it is, a, it is a good tension and it happens in a free society. Another more recent version is the difference um, where there's an issue between two individuals or groups within the community. And here's an example that I want to give you about two Canadian rights and which one gets priority. Many of you have heard about the uh, case a couple of years ago, BC uh, Trinity Western University. Um, the issue centered around uh, Trinity's religious freedom to require students to sign a code of conduct versus the LBGTQIA's community right to equal access and lack of discrimination. The case came before the Supreme Court. And in the case, there seemed to be no balancing of the rights. The decision was a verdict against Trinity. The court determined that the LGBTQIA's rights to equality were more important than Trinity's freedom of religion. That decision has far-reaching conflict um, implications in the future because it may be other groups, religious groups, or even institutions like Catholic hospitals that could have this precedent uh, impacted. What's important for us to make, for EFC to make arguments in court when the cases are heard, because if the argument's not made, then it won't be considered in the, uh, in the decision. The, the understanding of the law and the application of the charter builds in each new case. And so even when a decision is not in our favor, it's often reflected in the written decision or the court record, which sets a precedent for future cases. Well, let me give you an example of the high case. So there was a, in 2018, uh, there was a, a Calgary Jehovah's Witness congregation that was sued by a member of their uh, uh, individual congregation uh, because they had uh, kicked a person out uh, because of their behavior. It turned out to be alcoholism. The, the individual sued the congregation uh, because he claimed that it wrecked his reputation and he lost uh, his uh, livelihood because of, the in, because of that. EFC was represented as an intervener at those proceedings the religious freedom here is, is whether a voluntary religious organization should have the right to set membership standards. It seems like a no-brainer. The court found in favor of this Jehovah's Witness congregation. Then in 2020, just two years ago, EFC was an intervener in the Ethiopian Orthodox Church of Canada uh, case at the Supreme Court in, in the same kind of idea, in support of religious freedom. Arguments were made, and the high case was referred to. The Supreme Court overruled an Ontario Court of Appeals and ruled that membership and discipline within a voluntary religious community are outside the jurisdiction of the court. Well, you've heard a lot about euthanasia, um, sometimes called assisted suicide, sometimes called made medical assistance in dying. And euthanasia um, involves assisted suicide intentionally taking the uh, person's life. Now, that's different than intentionally taking a person's life is different than if you refuse medical treatment or if you take are given pain medication and a secondary cause may cause you to, um, to die. That's different. This is intentionally deciding to end your life. So who can decide? 
Well, there was, the bill was passed that said that a person with a foreseeable death could choose to end their own life, and but there had to be a period of 10 days from the time they made the decision to when it took effect for reflection. But in 2021, Bill C-7 opened that up more and said, well, it doesn't have to be a foreseeable death. It could be, um, it could be for a number of reasons. In fact, uh, people with uh, no medical um, issues except for mental illness could avail themselves of this. Or uh, depending on age, um, that's another one. Now, obviously, these are very concerning kind of uh, approaches. And when, when these bills come into place, EFC opposes them, but we recognize that sometimes you can't stop something from going through. Um, in terms of palliative care, Canada does not have a great system of palliative care. And there is some concern from, from around the world that if there's no palliative care um, option, then many people who have no resources, who have no support, may feel like they're forced to choose this option. And so we've been really um, lobbying, in a sense, for uh, palliative care. Another one is for medical personnel. You know, a a Christian doctor um, comes at healthcare from a certain perspective. And so if a Christian doctor is told, or medical personnel is told that you must do this kind of procedure, and if it turns out to be euthanasia or abortion, um, that's very concerning. So I I talked to one uh, physician who said to me, you know, in Ontario, they say you have to give a, um, a referral to somebody who will do that if one of your patients wants that. But the doctor said, I can't see much difference between making a referral or doing it myself. I, I just, my conscience won't let me go there. In Ontario, the Ontario College of Physicians and Surgeons have said that a physician must make a referral. And so there was a court case in 2017, which was lost that, uh, in terms of conscientious uh, objection. And now it, there's another court case. It's being appealed, and EFC is, a, is an intervener in that case. Now, the last one in this whole block would be um, religious care facilities. My, my mom was in a long-term um, care facility uh, before she passed away, and it was a religious it was, it was run by, by a denomination. And, uh, and the question was, would religious care facilities be required to allow assisted suicide in their facilities? So, so that's, that's, a, you know, that, that's a, a big swath of, of the euthanasia one. Now, I'm, I see that time is running here, so I'm going to skip some. But uh, let me just say this. Human trafficking has been, uh, research shows that human trafficking and prostitution and pornography are tied together, are intricately linked together. And one of the concerns that EFC has is that there has been some push for human trafficking to be decriminalized. Now, if you decriminalize something, then that means you you no longer have a criminal record. Now, you might get house... um, arrest or um, a slap on the wrist, 
But our concern is that if you start doing that kind of stuff, then it, it seems to say, well, it's okay to do this. And we're very concerned about that. Well, I, um, that's a lot of stuff. That's like a, like a fire hose, right? And uh, so there's a, our EFC website is uh, www.theefc.ca and you can find lots of information about our issues and initiatives. Um, I, you might say, how can I support this? Well, you do that through your church. You do that through um, affiliation. But as an individual, you can also be part of it. There are about 4 million evangelicals in Canada. The more people in the organizations, nickels and noses, that EFC can represent, the more strength we have as a witness in Canada. And individuals can be partners. You can promote biblical truth in your context, in your community. You can tell them of the work that is being done. You can tell them about EFC. You can provide. Now, obviously... We need funds to be supported. And, uh, but the majority of our funds come from individuals, like uh, about 70%. So people that give 5 and $10 a month or maybe a one-time gift or legacy gifts are another way to do that. But ultimately, the way to support DFC is to pray. You know, if my people that are called by my name will humble themselves and, call and pray, I will forgive their sins and heal their nation. So the time for to do God's work is now. Things that are being done now or things that are being were done in the past affect us now. And what will be the new normal uh, for our children and our grandchildren? That's being decided right now by the bills that are going through parliament and the case is being decided in court. And so we're engaging to the best of our ability to be able to monitor that. I started off with a, a question about... Uh, living as a dual citizen. Let me just give a, a few words, finally. Now, my dad was a pastor. When he said finally, there's another 45 minutes of, of sermon, but this won't be that long. Um, being a good citizen of Canada doesn't make you a good citizen of heaven, but being a good citizen of heaven should make you a good citizen of Canada. That's a pretty obvious statement. I hear people who have the name Christian sometimes be very um, negative or um, very aggressive. I think being a citizen of heaven, we encourage people, we respect people, we lift them up, we honor and love others, even our enemies, and we do not demean them or defame them or denigrate them or damage them. We, We have the Holy Spirit who can help us to be people of love, not people of hate. Citizens of heaven model righteousness, integrity, and truth in every aspect of their lives. Citizens of heaven partner with others to speak truth to leaders. And we pray for everyone. Now, I had, I had somebody um, a couple of weeks ago say to me after the service, he said, uh, well, how can I pray for a leader that I don't respect. And I said, I I don't remember reading in the Bible it said, only pray for those that you really like. I said, uh, 
He said, well, what could I do? I said, well, you could pray for his family. You could pray that the Lord will, will surround him with people who could give him good advice. You can thank the Lord for some good things that are done. Um, you can pray for somebody, even if you disagree with them or dislike them. Well, I'm, uh, I'm just thinking we can celebrate what it means to live in Canada today. We can participate in all the rights and freedoms and responsibilities of being a Canadian. But I don't want us to forget that we're dual citizens. And I pray that God will empower you as individuals and this church, which is supportive of our mission and which I'm thankful for, will empower you to act and be ambassadors speaking on behalf of God, his sons and daughters, to let your light shine before your fellow citizens, your fellow Canadians, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. Let's, let's pray together. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts together this morning be acceptable in your sight. I thank you for this church and I thank you for the witness. I thank you for the leaders in it. I thank you for the opportunity that will happen in just a few minutes of, of uh, being baptized, of a witness to our faith community as well as the community. I thank you for all those privileges. Lord, I pray that you will help us to be wise and to carefully un- think and understand how you want us to live as citizens of heaven, as strangers in this land, as ambassadors, but as good Canadian citizens too. I pray that your blessing will be upon this church. I pray that as we go from here, that you'll bless this week and may we be um, good examples of your love to those we meet in each part of this week. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon audio. For more resources or to connect with us, visit calvarygravenhurst.com.